This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. And uh, here we are on thatchannel.com, uh, and we are uh, fortunate to have uh, Dr. Kathy Vakil here visiting from Kingston, and Kathy is a, uh, a family physician. And uh, I guess what we're talking about today, Kathy, is uh, the whole, the implications of, A, having a, a nuclear industry in the first place for individual and family health, but also I, I would like to get into particular uh, some of the... Uh, issues uh, with regard to the Fukushima because nobody's talking about it and uh, I think we're all being affected by it. So first of all, welcome. Thank you. So um, let's talk a little bit about your, do you have particular concerns about, uh, about the nuclear industry? Well, as a family doctor, I certainly have particular concerns because my work is all about health. And so there are lots of reasons that the nuclear industry is bad for health, right from mining through to transporting the uranium through the refining process in Port Hope. Actually, right here in Toronto, there, there is a, there's a, this Hitachi um, processing plant that's right smack in the middle of Toronto that's been getting a lot of press recently, um, no doubt affecting the health of people right close by, as well as ongoing low-level radioactivity coming out of all the nuclear reactors. There's a problem of the nuclear waste, which is highly toxic and highly radioactive, basically forever. And there's no solution And to nobody that worldwide has ever figured out what to do about that. So mm -hmm. that is piling up as we speak. Right now there's about 40,000 tons of it just sitting there right on the sites at uh, uh, Bruce, um, Darlington, and Pickering. And um, there's the whole issue of the link between the nuclear industry, the nuclear energy industry, and nuclear weapons proliferation, which, though it doesn't get much press these days and was much bigger in the 70s and 80s, faded out in the 90s, but it is still as much of a concern, perhaps even more of a concern. Um, well, and plus then, of we've course, got the, sorry to interrupt, but we've got the, uh, what do they call it? Uh, they're putting uh, depleted uranium in uh, ammunition. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Um, there's the, the using nuclear um, fission to produce bombs to kill people, but there's also the issue, one of the waste products of the enrichment process is this, it's called depleted ura uranium, which is, um, is a f makes a fine dust when on hit on impact, and because it's very, very dense and hard, the U.S. Um, is, uses it on the outside of bullets and tanks, um, partly just to get rid of it, because there's no way, there's nowhere else we don't know what to do with this waste. Um, but on impact, it, it causes this aerosol, which when inhaled, gets into all your system and causes cancer. And not as on, only has that been a problem for the soldiers coming back from Bosnia, or the, the Balkans, Iraq, and um, the Gulf, and Afghanistan, but also, of course, the people living by. 
these tanks and bullet casings are lying around, children are playing in them, and again, nobody's studying this, which is the best way to be able to say that there is no evidence that it's causing harm. Mm -hmm. But if you studied it, no doubt you would find there are higher rates, and anecdotally, there are higher rates of cancers, miscarriages, and birth defects among, in the local people in these areas. So that's the other, another, yet another problem with this industry. And haven't they, isn't that, uh, I mean, people for a long time were talking about they didn't know what the cause of the Gulf War syndrome was, which a lot of the soldiers were coming back with. But I think, hasn't there been a link established that it's, it's the depleted uranium that's causing or is a factor in the Gulf War syndrome? It probably is. Again, nobody, nobody can say with certainty there's some concerns that it's the pesticides used, some concerns about some of the... Um, um, the products that they inhaled when they set everything on fire, mm -hmm. the, oil, the oil out there, but also the depleted uranium is certainly one of the, the, the issues. Okay. All right. So, now I have to ask you about this Hitachi plant that's in Toronto, which I've never heard of before. Oh, okay. Uh, where's that? So I hope I don't live near it. It lands down at DuPont, I believe. Okay. I heard about that one then. S yes. So, um, this is a plant that, unbeknownst to everybody around there, has been producing for a number of years uranium pellets, which have been transported from Port Hope in trucks as a powder, which is very dangerous, along the 401 and down into the middle of Toronto to this plant. And, and they produce, um, they do some compressing, and I'm not sure how they do it, but anyway, they, they produce uranium pellets, which are then transported to Peterborough, where they make the actual fuel rods to go into the reactors. That sounds really outrageous that they would do that right into right yeah, through not, and into the city yes and not very smart to do it in a largely residential area and granted perhaps it used to be industrial but there are lots of it's right across the street from the school apparently well, yeah. so people living around there and this is a powder which and it's a fine powder which is much more dangerous because when you inhale it it goes right down into your lungs and if it's small enough it will go right into your bloodstream and to all your organs so it's it's very dangerous and it's very scary, it's very bad for your health. And this was going on unbeknownst to anybody living nearby. Yeah, and of course people in Port Hope have been, which was, wasn't it the first place where uh, uranium was processed? Yes, Pretty much right. anywhere in the world? Right. Um, and have there been health effects, uh, nobody's talking about it, but have, were there, was there health impact in uh, Port Hope? There's no question there is health impact because we've known for many years that all radioactivity is harmful, okay. even at small doses. Yeah. And there they have big doses because this, this plant has been, been uh, right now it's chemical, but it's been processing uranium for decades and decades. Um, and there have been sites throughout Port Hope which have been condemned basically and they've tried to sort of clean it up, which means they scoop out the bad soil and they try and put good soil in. But they built houses on foundations that are, have high levels of radioactivity. So Port Hope is, is, a, is a bit of a toxic dump, actually. Um, and there is no question that people are dying of cancer there and there's, there are health effects. Um, the very poorly designed, I think there have been a couple of very poorly designed studies th that have shown that there are no problems there. Um, but the studies are so poorly designed and the population is so small that you won't, the, you won't be able to show higher rates of anything. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a way for the government to falsely reassure everyone that everything is just fine in, Peter, in uh, Port Hope. Okay, now, and if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong or I don't know if we know, but wasn't the, the uranium for the uh, atomic bombs in Japan 
somehow processed in oh, Port yes. Hope? Up until the mid-60s, pretty well all, I think, pretty well all uranium coming from Canada, which is mostly from Saskatchewan. And Canada is one of the lead, leading um, exporters of uranium, even still, um, right now. It all went through Port Hope and down to the States and was only used to produce bombs. And, and the, the, the uranium in the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs came from Canada. Okay. And then in the mid-60s, to his credit, I believe Pearson, I'm not whatever prime minister, I think it was Pearson, uh, determined that we should only be using uranium for peaceful purposes, in other words, nuclear energy. Yeah. Well, that's probably gone out the window. Well, once you export it out of the country, you have no control over what people are using it for. Okay. So um, let's talk about the Fukushima uh, disaster for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, because it seemed to me that um, I was very concerned when I saw that those explosions out of Fukushima, and I thought this is like a worst case scenario. Really, mm -hmm. uh, this is a, a, a nuclear explosion of radioactive material that is going to go worldwide. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was staying out of the rain for uh, quite some time after that, uh, after the disaster. But now uh, nobody's talking about it. I don't know. Do you know what the Status of the it's still going on. Yeah, they're worried about. I believe it is reactor four, which is kind of on a slant. And if it falls down, then we're going to get another big, huge plume coming out. Um, the problem is, it's so dangerous. It's, nobody can really go in and see what's going on. Whether it's a melt, well, it is a melt down, but mm -hmm. whether it's a melt through, which means it's gone out the bottom, um, which I think people have. Don't quote me on it. I think they pretty well. We're, sh we're assured that that's what's happened because the, looking at the soil levels around of, of all the uh, radioactive waste uh, that, that is coming from the reactors. Um, so it, it wasn't so much on the scale of Chernobyl. I mean, it's the same scale as Chernobyl. It isn't as bad in terms of probably the total amount, but it's still going on. Oh, Whereas really? Chernobyl oh. was one big blast and then it ended. Yeah. This is still going on. Oh, because I thought later. this was worse than Chernobyl. Well, it all depends. We don't know yet. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's still going on. Yeah. Um, but like Chernobyl, we've watched the plume within the next few weeks go all the way around the world. People are measuring it. Um, so it's affected everyone in the world. No okay. question. All right. Um, now, uh, you know, I was trying to follow any information I could, could, but I heard stories like that the Canadian government turned off their uh, monitoring uh, their uh, radioactive monitoring stations well, shortly after the They Fukushima? were measuring um, in a very sporadic and inadequate way for the first few months and um, suffice it to say that pr there, there is basically no monitoring going on. Even shortly after there was no, no real monitoring. A few spots around the country they would measure um, and then after a few months they stopped doing that. Um, I think they still measured the occasional one but it's not of use to anybody in terms of their protection. We also are not measuring it in water or we're, we're just measuring it in the air yeah. and maybe soil samples. I'm not really sure what, what they measure, but um, it's been woefully inadequate. Have they, like I heard that, they, did they actually turn it down or turn some of the measuring off afterwards? I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. What they've done in Japan is that as the levels just started skyrocketing, they started to increase what they considered the safe levels. Mm -hmm. So they could continue to say these are safe levels as they were hours and rows and rows. For instance, um, here in Canada, we're sort of allowed one millisievert, that's just a measurement of radioactivity, per year uh, uh, above background. And now after that, it's considered sort of dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, 
there it was, I think, one. And then as the, the numbers rose, they kept increasing it. So at, that, at one point, they said that 20 was fine for kids, mm -hmm. which is 20 times what, it, what we accept. Right. And then, um, so, so that they were able to reassure everyone that it was within safe limits. So that, that's how they get around falsely reassuring the public. Well, I heard, I was following, uh, because there was n basically no information in mainstream media after the uh, disaster, I was following Arnie Gunderson, who I guess is speaking at the conference mm -hmm. in New York, and we can talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that. But uh, he went to Tokyo to, to speak there as well, and he did uh, some soil samples all, just all around Tokyo. Just, you know, he would just pick up samples here and there, and, he w and measured the radioactivity. And basically, from what he measured, he said that according to U.S. government standards, every sample that he tested would have had to be uh, treated as nuclear waste mm -hmm. in the United States. So that's yeah, a city that of, of 20 million people mm -hmm. or more. Very scary. Um, now what are, now there you are in Kingston too, and I think about it sometimes and I think, I'm not sure I would want to live east of Pickering. True, true, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, uh, and, and what's your, I mean, what, you're saying there's no safe level of radioactivity and... No, all, uh, all radioactivity causes cancer, causes inheritable disease, causes damage to ova and sperm, and causes fetal damage. Mm -hmm. All. All of it does. So it's just a question of the dose. Yeah. So we're getting more of it. Do We uh, We don't really have any, any idea how much we're getting in Canada. You're saying the West Coast is, You of mean course, from Fukushima? From Fukushima. And we have our own domestic sources, of course, as well, yes. that we've already yeah. spoken yeah. about a little bit. Yeah. Um, there was a fellow that was that drove across Canada, I don't know if you saw this guy, and with, a, with a, some sort of Geiger counter or mm -hmm. measuring device, and he was measuring the rain drops. You mm. know, like in Alberta, he did it north of Toronto. I think he ended up in Montreal, and he was measuring. It was higher than the normal levels. Yeah. Uh, how concerned should we be about ev about? Uh, you're saying there's no safe level, but really, I mean, what what might like what what is what is the risk or what can we what is the harm that we might suffer as a result? Of Fukushima? Fukushima and any elevated level of radiation. Well, it's what radio, the bad things radioactivity does to us. Um, part of the problem to, you know, living downwind and downstream from our reactors is that um, we don't really know how much they're emitting. They're all constantly emitting, mm -hmm. and nobody would deny that. It's just they leak a little bit here and there. They, take th they open them up for maintenance. They leak a bit more. They're, they're, they sort of do, they do some levels, very little is measured daily, mm -hmm. weekly, monthly maybe, and then um, most people, you know, the truth is that the public doesn't really know anything about the nuclear industry, and the Ontario government has successfully convinced most Ontarians and Canadians that it's, that it's harmless and it's the answer to climate change and that it's actually good for everybody and it's green. Mm -hmm. So most people are, it, this is not even on the radar that, that there could be any issues with health around this. Mm -hmm. And the CNSC, which is the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, um, which is hand in hand with industry, um, is, is falsely reassures everybody. And so most people aren't even asking these questions that you are. Um, so there is no pressure on our government to be measuring and to be accountable to the public. So they're not. Mm -hmm. So the truth is nobody is measuring really in an adequate way the emissions from our reactors or what's 
uh, going on at, from Fukushima or any of the minor accidents that are happening. And that's how uh, the Hitachi plant at Lansdowne and DuPont continued on for years without anybody knowing. The Peterborough, I think it's called SSI, which was a tritium plant, um, somebody, um, somebody found out about it. And it's actually closing now because of public pressure. But, you know, without the, when the public doesn't know anything, the, the, you know, it's the status quo and mm -hmm. things just go on. Um, I did a little bit of a, a study, not a study, I did a little calculation uh, just before they built the Darlington plant. And, of course, the history of nuclear plant building in Canada is they'll announce a new plant and they'll tell us how much it's going to cost and then by the time they get it finished, it always costs two or three times mm -hmm. what they told us it was going to cost. And we're all paying for that with higher mm -hmm. hydro bills in Ontario now. Um, but I did a little calculation, and uh, even the estimated cost of Darlington was um, if they had taken that same amount of capital and put it into windmills. Mm -hmm. They could have achieved the same generating capacity mm -hmm. just with windmills. Mm -hmm. Um, why are we so hooked, do you think, on the idea of nuclear power in Ontario? Well, we've been convinced that it's good for climate change, which is wrong. We've been convinced that it's um, good for the environment, which is wrong, and that it's not harming our health, which is wrong. And um, we've also been told that we just have to have it because without it, there's this idea of this base load, which is that you have to have a base amount and you, the, the problem with solar and wind is that it's not there all the time. Mm -hmm. um, there are loads of other things you can have a base load for. And in fact, there's a huge problem with nuclear in that it, you can't really turn the reactors off easily. Well, I should, you can turn them off, but it takes two weeks to put them on again. Mm -hmm. So overnight, mm -hmm. we're producing all this extra at great cost that we don't need. And we end up actually giving it away or actually paying people to use it down in New York State. Mm -hmm. um, so there are huge problems with it. And then, of course, the massive costs, which nobody sees um, because it's, it's um, well, we just, we're just convinced that we need this and that it's, um, it, well, there's a massive government subsidy, which ultimately is our tax dollars, but that's hidden. So um, ultimately, part of the problem is public um, lack of awareness in all of this. Okay, so what can we do? I don't know if you have any ideas about this. So obviously the nuclear is uh, a health problem, but mm -hmm. are there really viable alternatives uh, to, to the nuclear option? To, in, a, in terms of electricity? In, in terms of power well, generation? Well, most countries in the world don't have nuclear energy, and, and most provinces don't have nuclear energy. Mm -hmm. And um, so other, other places manage without. Mm -hmm. And um, and there's all sorts of I mean there are many many things like geothermal there's all the renewables there's biomass there are many many alternatives. Well, I think there's some alternatives that nobody's even talking about. Like uh, I really do think that there some of these uh, crazy alternatives are crazy, like water powered car and the um, you know uh, generating from the ether and there's there's a lot of stuff out there mm -hmm. or these magnetic uh, column perpetual motion or whatever you want. There's tons of them out there. And I think that uh, we just have to start using them. And, and the first thing we have to do is start wa stop wasting it. We can mm -hmm. cut our cons consumption by 50% overnight. 
Well, I saw some statistic that Ontario and New York State, the consumption in Ontario per capita is is like mm -hmm. a third or a half higher than than New York, yeah. even New York State. And mm -hmm. so, obviously, we we can do something right. uh, in terms of conservation. Um, okay, so now there's this big conference in New York. Uh, I know mm -hmm. you're not going, but mm -hmm. what's this conference about? Uh, is it this weekend or yes? This week? It's the second anniversary of Fukushima, which I think is March twelfth. It was March 12th, two years ago. So it's a lot of people who have a lot of these concerns that you're discussing um, who are going, getting together to hold a conference about it. So it's about the health effects. It's about the, um, the um, future of nuclear energy in general, nu nuclear weapons proliferation, um, but mostly about the health effects. Okay. So uh, what can, is there anything you think we might expect or hope to come out of the conference? Well, I think, the, as I had said, the biggest problem is lack of public awareness. Yeah. So if, I hope the conference gets lots of press and lots of interviews so that the, the, these discussions become mainstream. It seems the mainstream media, though, is not covering uh, this kind of issue or any kind of bad news scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, I mean, I, I think one of the problems is that we've got a very concentrated ownership of mainstream media in a very few mm -hmm. hands. And of course, there's uh, um, complicity with the advertisers mm -hmm. who are funding it. Nobody wants to have bad news, um, but uh, and and I don't know. It just seems everyone, even the public, is just so busy they almost don't have time to even think about these kind of issues. Or certainly, almost when they hear about these issues, they they don't really know what they can do about it, and so they get disempowered and. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just uh, become apathetic about right. it. But that's one thing, as a physician, that's one reason that I, that I do, what, one of, do what I do, like doing this interview, which is that I think that people, certainly health professionals, should be uh, a strong voice in this. We're, we're talking about health here. Mm -hmm. um, it's, 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 a, it's a health issue. It's a public health issue. It yeah. should be out there, and I think... Um, so I think this should be taught in schools. It should be taught in medical schools. It should be the whole issue should be brought out in in terms of education of the public, and I think health professionals need to be taking stands on these kinds of things. Okay, and I, I know the conference is in New York, but you came to Toronto. Were you uh, interacting with any of the other uh, guests or the speakers that are going to New York? Yeah, we actually just had a meeting with Andrew Cash, who's the MP in in Davenport where that Hitachi plant is okay. so we got together here to to have a discussion with him about it all right to and give him our support what did you guys um, discuss or is there anything that uh, well we told him that um, we're there for um, the, the whole radioactivity issue is very complicated yeah <laughs> I know it better from the health point of view and other people there were more in terms of the sci the science behind uranium etc but just being a resource for him and a support so that he can, um, with confidence, make some statements about um, what's going on in his constituency, in term, even just in terms of soil testing and air testing, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's actually scary that that plant, which I heard about, actually. Somebody told me kind of just on the grapevine, oh, there's a plant here at that Lansdowne and mm -hmm. DuPont that produces, n you know, nuclear, somehow is involved in the nuclear mm -hmm. industry. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that people in that neighborhood... I don't know. Might ruin their day if they heard about <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's good to know, I guess. 
Well, okay. Well, thanks for coming in today. Is yeah. there a con any contact information you want to give out if people want to get in touch well, with you and follow up about the this? One, I represent Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment, which is CAPE. If you just Google CAPE, you'll get it. it and it's, this main office is uh, here in Toronto. I'm also on the board for Physicians for Global Survival, which used to be PSR, which is Physicians for Social Responsibility. Um, and that's out of Ottawa. So just PGS. Um, you can um, Google and get more information. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in today, and uh, hope we uh, enriched, help enrich your uh, trip to Toronto. So, thanks yeah. for coming in. You're welcome. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. All right, guys. So let's uh, let's go to some music, and uh, we'll carry on here on a Friday afternoon here on that channel. All right. You got it. Number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.